Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts. That's right, this is it. Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are live. It's Saturday night. Andre is having some technical difficulties. We'll be waiting for him to get into the show here soon. I am Jason. Tonight it is October the 14th, 2017. We are getting way underway here for week six. In the NFL, we started off the week, both of us as losers in the game on Thursday night, game that I'd like to forget, as I have been completely a hater of the Eagles, and I continue to hate them, this time because they screwed us on our pick over the Panthers. Dre, are you there? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. It, we, we, we are, you're, you're, on a losing, you're on a losing streak here when it comes to... Uh, you're iconic too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, the only thing I can guess is there's something really wrong with my computer where I need to go get this uh, recovery drive deleted or looked at or something. I keep getting a message every time I start the computer up that says my recovery drive is is oh. you know lo- loaded or uh, about to explode or over you know about to be over its limit or something. I, I don't know why else I keep connecting and not being able to hear anything, but this time it worked where I was able to drop myself and call right back in. So that's good. Well, good. To try that well, well, we we're live on the air. Just started getting the intro underway here. So wel- welcome aboard. Thank you. It's good to be on my own show. Yeah. As it should yeah, we be. were, uh, we started off the week, of course, uh, behind the eight ball because the Eagles were able to knock off the Panthers uh, in a in a tough game. It was back and forth, and either team could have taken it, but the Eagles were the ones that wound up on top. Uh, what did you notice coming out of this game uh, to address for either team? The Carolina defense was really letting me down in that game. Uh, it doesn't help that Luke Keekley got concussed for about what's got to be the – 14th or 15th time I would think over his career we didn't we didn't get the pathetic shot of him broken down in tears like we did last time um, almost good. uncontrollable almost un- I remember that shot of him in that almost uncontrollable crying um, when he got uh, his head <laughs> head spun around and, and jacked up and ended up going out for a concussion and here they lose him for a concussion again I promise you, whatever the number is, he's lost count. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you look at after he went out, what was open for the Eagles, a lot of over-the-middle stuff. <laughs> a lot of a lot mm. of stuff where, oh, that one of the best linebackers in the league might have been occupying the space. So good adjustment there, uh, Doug Peterson, by attacking the weakness in that defense. And it, it was weak, I will tell you. But I, I didn't see – I, I didn't see that same Cam Newton against the Eagles, maybe against a better defense, 
um, that I saw in that game against the Lions. A little, little bit more shaky effort from Cam Newton in this game. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with that. Uh, the reasoning behind it is not just Cam. I'll give him his uh, the criticism that he deserves. He he wasn't accurate. That late comeback that they could have had the uh, the, the comeback victory and would have would not have covered the spread for us, but at least they would have come back and won the game. Um, his throws weren't accurate, and that's why they couldn't complete that comeback. But before that. There was a problem with his receivers getting open. He didn't have anyone to throw to. His, his big men going up and, and making themselves big targets for catches, which we saw in the last game against the Lions, they weren't doing that in this game against the Eagles. The only play all night, if it wasn't Cam Newton himself smashing his head up and trying to run the ball and trying to do it all by himself, he was basically the whole offense. The only other play legitimate play they had all night was uh, swing passes in the flat to Christian McCaffrey and the best Carolina play of the night was not was not a play it didn't count it was Cam eventually got frustrated and said fuck it and just flung it up between two defenders and one of the defenders picked it off but the other one committed pass interference so best Carolina play of the night the game of like I think 43 yards on a pass interference you know you're having a rough night offensively when your best play of the night is is a flag yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's isn't that how the Dallas Cowboys went to all those Super Bowls? <laughs> no, that's offensive fast interference. Well, they they did draw a lot of they got flags called on, for on defensive, defensive fast. As well. Oh man, yeah, My, Michael Irvin. Yeah, Michael got Irvin called. would he would he do the pushing off and then yeah. basically throw the flag the on the down. defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, yeah. There, there's there's some strategy involved in that. No, I, towards the end of that game. Uh, and I don't know if you ended up with the same impression that I did, but towards the end of that game, I thought Cam Newton was playing fairly hurt, um, or at least not with all of his faculties about him. He was getting beat up pretty good. He was he he three or four times where he was going, and uh, there was the one where I believe he went diving for the pylon, and you know, and stayed down on the ground a little extra. It seemed like he was yep, getting. I remember that abused quite a bit uh every time he basically took the ball down maybe he he could see his frustration um he'd go to he'd go to slide and then dudes would hit him late and uh he's looking at the rest like you know come on where, where's the flag and it, it, i just got that sense that's not new that's i know not that's new, not Cam. new you don't get that call you know that by now man but especially on that one where he went diving for the pylon and i I really don't think he was the same after that. Yeah, he got crushed. He, he really did. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice that his play was any different, but that's that's why we. I'm glad that we do this show, and I'm glad we talk about football. And I notice things you don't sometimes. You notice things I don't sometimes. So maybe that did uh, have a, a an impact on his play the rest of the way. Yeah, well, he was a lot more reluctant to run with the ball after that because that's what was really startling to me were those third and one, fourth and one plays at the end of the game where he tries that little that little doink thing over the middle uh, trying to throw the ball. I think that was to McCaffrey over the middle Yeah. on that fourth down where normally that would just be Cam trying to go Superman. And I really think he was still feeling the effects from that play. No, you might be so right about least, it. At least, at least I noticed sort of a 
I mean, it could have been subtle, but I noticed a, a style change in his play because he got up extremely gingerly from that. And that was one of those where, you know, we, we always wonder about the quarterbacks uh, or, you know, the, or the high profile players, you know, able to talk their way back into games or just brush off like the, you know, the, the trainers and they, they don't come over. But I, I think he was hurt a little worse after that play than uh, he was letting on because I noticed it. it changed quite a bit especially even the style of play that he was putting out there. So it's something to keep an eye on. But we know this. We expect this from Cam Newton. Yeah, we know that he needs to stop getting bent up and crushed up because his team needs right. him. He's too important. But at the same time, it almost felt like there was nothing else he could do in this game because nothing else was working. The run blocking was lacking. The protection was bad. Just everything was not right, working late, for the Panthers' offense. That late pick was brutal. It was an awful throw to, to Jalen Mills. It was a crushing yeah. INT. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was terrible. So, so they had the ball with chances. I know we wouldn't have won our pick, but they had the ball with chances to win the game. And, you know, and sometimes, even though we're going to lose a pick, the pick is also an indicator of who we think is going to win the game. So we almost feel a little bit justified. This one sort of got us the double whammy. Not only did we lose the pick, we lost the pick on the team that we both thought would win the game, too. On the uh, Eagles side, that was uh, they showed me a little something coming back in that game uh, because they were trailing the Panthers at one point, and it was sort of back and forth uh, early in the game where the, the Carolina run blocking was bad, so they'd have to punt to give it back to Philadelphia. Their protection was terrible. Carson Wentz would get sacked or hurry. They'd have to punt, so they kind of went back and forth. And it was the, the it was the Eagles that made the adjustment and found a way to get. Carson wins some room and some space to to do something through the air by bootlegging him, moving the pocket. They they got him to move around and, and find some room. And he finally started making the throws to his receivers that Cam Newton usually makes, the the, the tall throws to make sure your your guy's the one that's gonna catch it or else nobody's gonna catch it. Wentz did a really good job of that. Zach Ertz, uh, a big receiver. Alshon Jeffrey's not that big, but he found a way to get open and, and get him a big one downfield uh, after the, the defense had been loosened up a little bit. Um, so it was a really good job, I believe, by uh, Zach Ertz to do that. And the Eagles found a way to get their defense going, and they were stopping to run anyway. Nigel Bradham was everywhere, just had an excellent game. Just every time you needed a, a run stop, he was there. Uh, when they needed somebody to come pressure the quarterback, he was there for that as well. He was just all over the field. Uh, and, and it was really a game of adjustments, and I think the Eagles did the much better job of making the adjustments. Yeah, it, it, that was it was a little bit of a back and forth game, but you always felt like even the announcers uh, were describing it as such that had the Panthers been able to come back, that really would have been them stealing that game because the Eagles sure were the better the Eagles were the better team on Thursday night, so they deserved it. There's no doubt about it. So back to the drawing board, trying to figure out the Panthers. We thought we had them figured out, but once again. And I do want to say one more thing, and not so much about the game, but, man, I I really like Tony Romo as a commentator. Am I alone here? I or he, no, he's, he's really actually, good. He's actually entertaining. I, I was, I was busy. But he I was knows what he's talking first. about, so. Right. I, the first few weeks, it was, it was a little over the top how much people were slobbering 
on how awesome Tony Romo is as a commentator. They were really uh, going crazy about how he would call out plays before they would happen, and he was really good about that. And, and it, yeah. it, it actually got a little too much. I started seeing some sort of blowback, like, okay, he's a former quarterback. He's supposed to see those types of plays. It's not all that big of a deal. But but I agree. I, I In general, I enjoy him. I, as, as I've sort of talked about on the show before, I enjoy any commentator who knows his stuff and also portrays excitement and interest and, yes. and love of the game because that makes it better for me. That makes me love it more watching it, uh, and it makes it more enjoyable for me. And, and we talked about uh, the old Sunday night crew uh, on was it ESPN or TNT? Oh, the old ESPN uh, with uh, McGuire and uh, oh, those guys, right? Joe Theismann. Yeah, Mike- Mike Patrick was the play-by-play, and, and, and uh, Paul McGuire and Joe Thiessen. Paul McGuire, yeah. I, that was one of my favorite – that's probably might still be my favorite crew for calling games. Cause they knew their stuff, they, and yeah. they really seemed like they enjoyed doing the games. Right. It was entertaining, and that's what I like about Romo. And then just, you know, it's not, the, it's not the Gruden enthusiasm. This guy's no. got moxie. No, it's not that. <laughs> he leads the league in guts. You know, it's no. yeah. No, I, I, so I have to say, six. You know, six weeks in right now. I may, I may have mentioned it once more before on the show, um, but I, I actually have to say it's not. It's not wearing thin on me just yet. I actually turned on the game on Thursday night. I was like, you know, I actually appreciated the fact um, that it was that it was Romo doing the commentary, especially considering how much I don't care for Jim Nance. Nance and Sims yeah, was yeah. becoming, you know, Phil Brown. Sims was becoming a little interminable. Um, I was about to say, it's also enjoyable considering he's taking the place of Phil Sims, who was terrible yeah. at his job. <laughs> all, we, all we need to do now is get Joe Buck out of there and oh. we'll, be, we'll be golden. I won't hold my breath, but I agree with that sentiment. All right, quick plugs. Uh, Picks will be up on the blog after the live show is over. The blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. Email us anytime you want, questions or comments, including I had a little social question or the question about boycotting products, things of that nature, uh, at the end of the uh, the after show on the last podcast, if you want to go back and listen to that. I'm I'm asking Jason those questions because he's the person I'm talking to, but it's really open for anyone who wants to listen. I'd love to hear everyone's opinion, you know, opinions and thoughts on these subjects that I bring up. I, I want to, you know, actually talk to other people and get other people's thoughts on these things to see if I'm as crazy and lonely on a lot of these opinions as, as I fear I am. But anyway, any questions or comments, you can email those to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at IMLDDre, or you can hit Jason up at IMLDJTG. You're listening, of course, live to blogtalkradio.com slash inmuchlessdetail to get this show in its podcast form, which is the only way you can hear the after show as well as this live show. You can come back to the live show page and go to the archives or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or what used to be iTunes uh, or any one of many different podcasting apps out there. Just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Click on that subscribe button and enjoy our shows to your heart's content or laugh at them, whichever you want to do. We did not discuss our highlight games again because I couldn't get on the damn air. 
because I, <laughs> I was sitting here and it said you were all lit up and I was like, did you hear me asking if you were there? Yeah, like, uh, oh, no. Hello. No, I, well, <laughs> hello. No, I didn't because I uh, was on and then you weren't, you weren't on when I got on that moment that I got on, got on. So I got up. And and got something to drink. And when I came back and saw you, is when I clicked myself on and started talking to you, and didn't hear anything but you clearing your throat. And at that point, I realized, oh shit, he can't hear me at all. <laughs> He's just sitting there, having, you know. <laughs> I'm just, just talking enjoy, away. All right, you're sitting here, and enjoy here as you go. You're enjoying a fine adult beverage. Um, <laughs> As I am often want to do for our shows, it's Saturday night. You gotta, you gotta enjoy yourself. As many people probably have to do listening to us. Give a um, give a so. plug here. By a couple couple uh, years ago, I bought my wife a case of this uh, blueberry sparkling sake. I don't know if I ever talked about this on the show before. Um, no, I don't remember bah, ever bah. hearing anything about blueberry sparkling sake. It's called Bonsai Bunny, uh, sparkling sake. How about that? I actually got a case of this for my wife for Mother's Day a couple years ago uh, from the Binnie's Beverage Depot down there in Chicago. So now I'm plugging <laughs> Binnie's and uh, that. But you would not believe what I paid for a case of 12 of these uh, <laughs> blueberry sparkling sakes. I paid $108. Oh! My God. For a case of 12 because my wife and I were out at a local uh, Japanese uh, hibachi style restaurant and the waiter or the bartender, we were at the, we were trying to, you know, get some drinks before we were going to get seated. Cause yeah, we, you have to wait for your table. And uh, my bartender offered my wife uh, a bottle of it, you know, not for free. And uh, she loved it so much. And of course she loved it because at the bar it was sixteen dollars a bottle. <laughs> I figured if she likes it that much, I might as well just go and like buy some. And I gotta say, she's made this stuff last. She pulled out some tonight and brought me up one. I'm like, we still have this? She's like, Yeah, we have four more bottles left. I was like, Oh crap. All right. Well, Bonsai Bunny. It's good shit. Apparently apparently it was worth every penny. Uh, yeah. It's got I think I've only had too. sake once in my entire life, and it wasn't blueberry sparkling. So, sparkling blueberry sake, I highly recommend it. It it it, it doesn't taste like what you would imagine, um, but it is it's very interesting and it is very good and very expensive. So you better savor the shit out of it. <laughs> I hear you on that. Blueberry sparkling sake. It's uh. It, it, it pays to buy the best. Okay, what are we going to do for our highlight games for week five? We kind of talked about it a little bit uh, on the last show. I uh, laughed at got... you saying, no way in hell we're doing Jets and the Patriots. <laughs> That's the only thing I am sticking with. No way in hell I'm <laughs> considering Jets and Pats a highlight game. No That's chance in hell. That. That is where, that is where I draw the line. But they're battling for first place in the AFC East. Oh God! <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not going to do Patriots. And Thank you. That, that's that's uh, all I ask. So we've got what do we got? Green Bay, Minnesota. Um, 
even though that's sort of a, you know, eh, it's Green Bay again, but, you know, it's it, at least it's a compelling game. Uh, Rams and Jags, which is, I find, way more compelling than Jets and Patriots. And I think <laughs> we'd be we'd be crazy not to do uh, Steelers-Chiefs. There you have it. So, uh, so starting in the Twin Cities. That, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of it. Uh, with the Packers and the Vikings, Green Bay at four and one, three and zero oh on the road, coming off of Aaron Rodgers with another incredible comeback victory down in Dallas. You know they're riding high. The Vikings at three and two, two and one at home, not exactly riding high, having to. Uh, bench Sam Bradford for Case Keenum on Monday night and uh, found a way to still knock off the Chicago Bears, but uh, sort of limping into this game. They will not have Sam Bradford at all. They've already declared him out. Stephon Diggs is also going to miss this game. Uh, For the Packers, they will be missing a couple of defensive backs, Kevin King and Morgan Burnett. Green Bay is still Green Bay, so they are the favorites in this one. They give three points on the road at Minnesota. Jason, who you got? Yeah, I think this all lines up really well for the Packers in this game, starting with the fact that it is going to be Case Keenum, although I know you're like, well, it's not that big of a separation from Sam Bradford. That's fine. But if he doesn't have Stephon Diggs there, that's a huge negative. He doesn't have Delvin Cook anymore. The running game is going to be, you know, a shell of its former self. This isn't Mitch Trubisky in his first start and the Chicago Bears that you're playing this week. This is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Jones, amazing out of the running back position for them last week. One of the best running performances I think I've seen out of the Packers in quite a long time. You know what all that adds up to? That's right. Taking the Packers. Given the three, locking it down. I think that the Packers continue to roll. I think Minnesota's just got too many injuries, too many vital weapons that are missing. Even though the defense is still going to be solid, I think that there's that. I don't think that the Vikings offensively will be able to hang with the Packers uh, to put up enough points to win this game. So I'm going to take the Packers lock of the week. Getting that out of the way right off the bat, very early. Um, this, that scares me to lock it in because the Vikings at home have been very tough in their new building since last year. The Vikings defense is always up for a challenge. It's not easy to, to go in and, and beat that defense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to give it his best shot, uh, but it's going to be the defense that, that would win it for the Vikings because I don't see much offensive production. Uh, I, I know I talked about Case Keenum is not a big drop-off, from Sam Bradford. Case Keenum without Stephon Diggs as a drop-off from Sam Bradford, however, is a different story. Case Keenum without Stephon Diggs and Dalvin Cook, no Dalvin Cook to offset with the running game is an even bigger deal. Uh, I will agree with you and take the Packers. I don't know about that lock, but I I admire your guts. Uh, But Green Bay minus three seems to be the play here. I understand Jarek McKinnon. Uh, made some waves last week with his running. Do you want to count on that again? Because I don't. I, I don't see him getting outside uh, and, and getting on top of the Packers linebackers and, and just streaking down the field without any kind of abandon uh, like he did last week against 
uh, Chicago. That's that's fine if he did that against the Bears. I don't see that coming against the Packers. And the Packers, of course, are not a shutdown defense by any stretch, but I just don't imagine them letting him getting outside and doing that to them. And he can't do anything inside at all. Forget it, running between the tackles. It's just not going to happen. Minnesota's on a little bit of a short week coming off the Monday nighter, uh, going to Keenum uh, without the best weapons to find digs. It just doesn't seem to work out for the Vikings. So I'm going to agree with you and take Green Bay and give the three points. But uh, oof, locking it in. That's, that's, locking that's a big it call in. Hey, getting it out of the way. I looked up and down the line. I don't, you know, being where I'm at, having such a just an awful start to the season like I've had, I don't feel good about anything. I don't feel good about <laughs> any of my picks at all. I looked at this one as the most – at least the one I felt the best about making this pick, just given the, the the situation, and you know, Jarek McKinnon, he's one of those small doses type running backs. You know, he you know he is best utilized sparingly as a weapon, but he'll get exposed if you try to use him. And we've seen this before. I mean, we've seen this with when they've mm-hmm. had to roll out Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon and these guys with Latavius Murray, ghost <laughs> so far. Uh, Milk carton. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So Still looking not, for him. Not very impressive. Yeah, it's like you said, it's one thing to do it against the Bears, um, where they weren't gonna, they weren't getting a whole lot of resistance from that Bears offense. I mean, you know, the, other than the uh, commentators completely filleting uh, <laughs> Trubisky every time he would, you know, and babying him. You know, oh, good job, Mitchie, you made a good play. Every time that happened, this is this is Aaron Rodgers. This is a completely different animal. I, I, although I do have to say, don't go into this territory very often. I love the under on this game. This uh, just this just screams, you know, sixteen to nine or some ridiculously ugly number like that. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, and all your searching up and down uh, on the spreads this week, did you possibly come across a spread for the Monday Nighter? Because I didn't. I did not. It is totally off on every total on the, on radio the silence on the covers.com website. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine betting agencies. It is off the board on all nine. <laughs> completely off. Wait a minute. This would be a first if it's off the board, even on your uh, contest. It's been a while. It wouldn't be a first, but it's been some years. So we go back to the old rule. We go back to the old pick'em rule then. It's going to be a pick'em. I'm going to label it as off to make sure that we uh, uh, distinguish between a pick'em spread and a pick yeah. because the line is off. The line is is yeah. off. I cannot find a spread. I went outside of covers.com. I searched all over the internet. Uh, I searched Vegas sites. I searched, nobody has a spread for yeah. this game. Nobody. Even this, yeah, the Oakland is- Raiders game with Derek Carr uh, right. said to be coming back, but it's not 100%. Even that's even there's a there's a spread for that game. But this one with Marcus Mariota as as completely questionable game time decision. No one, ref- everyone refuses to make a line for that game. So that one, just uh, for future reference or coming up at the end of the show, that's going to be a, a pick em because there is literally no place I can find that has a spread for that game. Okay. Well, we agree on the first one. 
Our second highlight game is going to feature the Los Angeles Rams and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And a perfect representative of how fucked up this season is right now, the Rams and the Jaguars are a highlight game. The 3-2 and two Rams and the 3-2 and two Jaguars, either the Rams or the Jaguars at the end of this game is going to be 4-2. and two. And that's a world that I didn't think I'd ever live in, quite frankly. Uh, but, hey, stuff happens. So Jared Goff and the Rams, Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. The Rams are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Jaguars. And it's going to wind up coming down to can Jared Goff continue his pretty good performance so far this year uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense? That's pretty much the entire game because we know what's going to happen when Jacksonville is on offense, they're trying to run the ball pretty much every down. We know what happens uh, when the Rams are trying to defend the, the run. They're not so good at it. So we, we think we're going to have, at least I believe we're going to have a couple of runners <clears throat> have a, have big days. I think uh, the Rams and the Jaguars are going to get a lot of yardage on the ground. I think it's going to be Melvin Gordon uh, going up against the, Jaguars rookie from LSU. Are they playing the char- They're not playing the Chargers this week. Oh, the I said Melvin Gordon. Wrong LAT. <laughs> right. I, I knew I was going to get him confused somewhere along the way. Um, <laughs> the Clipper. That's the Clippers. Melvin Gordon plays for the Clippers. <laughs> I, I see Todd Gurley having a big game running for the LA Rams, um, and the the Jaguars rookie running back whose name is escaping me at the moment because it's late. Leonard Fournette. Um, Leonard Fournette. And I'm a big fan of his too, even though I can't remember his name. Um, so I, <laughs> that guy. I'm a big fan of you, guy. Um, it's the second big test defensively for Jared Goff after the Seahawks last week. And that game, of course, was a mixed bag. He didn't look so hot the first three quarters, wound up making – a big comeback actually should have won the game except for Cooper Cup dropping the game-winning touchdown pass. Uh, can Jacksonville keep winning games trying to never throw the ball? It, it's We've seen this before. We've seen teams try to win games without throwing it or throwing as little as possible. You don't see a lot of those teams make the playoffs, so the, the Jaguars are trying something pretty different, but they can't trust Blake Bortles, and I think they know that. So. That that's the game plan for them right now. We'll we'll see how far it takes them. For Net, uh, there's a pro football focused stat about the guy right in my face, and I still couldn't remember his name. Um, he's had 20 players miss tackles on his carries so far, which is the second most for all running backs this season. So Fournette is not just steamrolling. He's not just a power runner. He's elusive as well. He's been very very impressive uh, at the beginning of his career. With all that said, I'm going to take the Rams to win this game over the Jaguars to cover the spread and win the game. I I continue to be sort of impressed by Jared Goff, and I think he's going to have some plays uh, to go over the top of the Jaguars and, and actually mix it. It's all about the coaching, apparently. It's uh, Sean McVay coming in and showing Goff some pointers and how to play the position and here we are at week six in the Rams. We talked about how that ridiculous yards per attempt that the Rams were averaging after the first few games. They haven't come down that much. They're still at 8.4 yards per attempt behind Jared Goff, and I cannot believe that's still happening. So in what should be a, a tough one back and forth, 
I think the Jaguars might be fired up at home and come out and, and not let golf get too much early on. And as the game wears on, they kind of loosen up and, and allow that late touchdown uh, to win the game that, that golf tried to get against Seattle last week. So in a tough one and a close one, I'm going to go with the LA Rams. Oh, so this is interesting. We'll find out if the Rams are smarter than the Steelers. If they realize that throwing the ball into that secondary is not the way that you win ball games, because the Jaguars have proven that they, they're, they're a little ball hawkish. They, they like to go after the football. And that wasn't just a trend that started against the Steelers. We saw that all the way, even going back to week one, uh, when Jacksonville was, uh, you know, when they abused the hell out of their opponent in that, in that blowout victory is so long ago, six weeks ago, I can't remember even who it was, but they, they, they whooped somebody good. At home, it's way late. back in week one. Yeah, it is late. I'm beat. I've had a long week at work. And we've got with the seasons changing. Everybody's, everybody, it seems like, is just tired right now. I don't know what it is, but we just got rain coming through here today. And it's, everything's all so Tom Savage in the Texans, right? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. So, oh, you're talking about the, what the Rams did. That was Oh, that was the, the Colts and, and Jack Brisket. Yeah. 46 well, yeah, what the Jags did. Yeah, that was, that was pretty impressive. I will uh, actually go against you on this one and I'm going to take the Jaguars. I, they, I've got that feeling and they, they've still got this whole home road split thing going that I just don't trust. Last week that kind of got thrown out the window because they did go to Pittsburgh and show up, but boy, did they show up or did Pittsburgh just completely lay an egg? That's what I'm not sure about because Pittsburgh's game plan was stupid. Their their players and their coaches, it sounds like, are even wondering a little bit. You're hearing some grumbling from them, like, why aren't we running the ball? So not not all is right in the world with those Pittsburgh Steelers right now, uh, especially given that game plan. And we we even talked about the panic that seemed to set in with them last week. But you're right, the Rams they're not the best uh, ground defense. They don't stop the run that great. I just don't know if on the road the Rams are going to be able to overcome how good the Jacksonville defense has been and the running game. And so when you've got a team at home that can pound the rock and play defense, I feel a lot better about the home team in that situation where we normally say it's the road team that needs to travel with that. I think that the Jags, especially um, what did we get here, two and a half? Or say that was two and a hook? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I mean, because I I could see the Jags kicking a late field goal to, to you know sneak out a a cheap cover for me there. So I'll take the Jags at home. Uh, if this game was in L.A., I'd probably go the other way. I think it's that even. But yes, one of these teams, unless they tie, which is entirely a possibility, is going to be four and two. Amazing, <laughs> just utterly amazing. All right, on to our third highlight game, which is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And you got a, a tale of two cities, a tale of two teams going in different directions. Pittsburgh has got a winning record at 3-2, and two, but you wouldn't know it listening to all the talk about them after that turret that they laid last week uh, and Ben Roethlisberger questioning himself and everything else. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, of course, the last undefeated team, 5-0, and oh, flying high. And Pittsburgh is this might be a smaller spread than one might think. The Steelers are only three and a hook, three and a half point underdogs going into Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Jason, what's your pick? Yeah, this one, this one is really surprising to me 
because of the spread. I don't understand this at all. How how do you have a team that's undefeated, you know, five and zero, playing games as great as they're playing, and then here come the Steelers, who have in the last three games they they haven't really played that great game. Uh, they lost at home to the Jaguars. They lost on the road to the Bears, and then they beat they, they beat the Ravens. But the Ravens don't really do much to you offensively. I don't like this at all. It's a trap. <laughs> this is not that spread just scares the hell out of me. It's like does somebody know something? Are we not getting the full story on this one? Because are they just expected Roethlisberger to bounce back after throwing the five picks and oh he can't do that again? I I can't buy any of it. The Chiefs are the best team in football. The Steelers are far from it. So unless it's just this bizarro season that we're having right now and Roethlisberger and that offense just decide that they're going to just flip the switch and, you know, kick this thing into overdrive because they just sort of sleepwalked their way through the last three games and the Chiefs really aren't as good as we think they are, even though they're just rolling people up. Um, I mean, they went to Houston and beat a really damn good football team down there in their own building and put 40 up on them. I mean, yes, J.J. Watt and... Uh, you know, Whitney Merciless both got hurt, but they weren't hurt for like the whole game. And, and the Chiefs were still, you know, on their way to building that huge lead. Uh, I have to take the Chiefs here. I mean, this this was close to also being my lock of the week. I just didn't like that hook. The hook scared me a little bit because this line feels like a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Uh, stunningly, the higher flying offense in this game is the Kansas City. It's not yes. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, the, the the two-time Hall of Famer. It's it's Alex Smith and the Chiefs that have the 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 explosive offense. And the side effect of that is when the Pittsburgh offense isn't exploding like right now, then the running game gets bottled up. Le'Veon Bell. Uh, gets gets kind of uh, seamed in because defenses are playing closer to the line of scrimmage. They don't have to worry so much about Ben beating him over the top because he doesn't have the chemistry with his receivers at the moment. Now that's likely to change. I think everyone thinks that that's going to change eventually. And that's the only reason I can think of for the spread being so low is that people are, are betting on been hitting rock bottom last week with the five interceptions against Jacksonville and bouncing back and having some, I guess, professional pride in himself and just playing better just because, well, the chiefs aren't going to roll over for him. He's going to, you know, if he plays better, that's great, but it's not like the chiefs are just going to let him walk all over him. Uh, the spread was surprising to me too, that it's three and a half. And uh, if you feel trapped by what seems to be an obvious pick and, and I'm going to go ahead and take the chiefs. And I think it's an obvious pick myself. I, I guess we're both. Uh, we're caught in a trap. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. And, and I'm scared to death of it as well. I don't, I wasn't anywhere close to making it in my lock. Uh, Another pro football focused stat: that T.J. Watt, the Steelers linebacker, the the rookie, uh, is uh, 
stopping the run. He's got eight run stops already and for an outside linebacker. That's a rookie. That's a very high number. Uh, so I'm thinking Kareem Hunt might have some trouble getting outside and, and doing what he's been doing. And, and Tyreek Hill takes a lot of runs outside as well from the backfield. Uh, so if the Steelers can hem those guys in and not let them go quite as crazy, then it's definitely worrisome that the, the Chiefs might not be able to overcome that. Uh, but it's Andy Reid. He's been a, a mad genius so far this year. I figure if the Steelers do him those guys in, that he'll figure something else out on the fly and he'll get some other weird geometry plays going. <clears throat> Excuse me. It helps a lot that he will apparently have his stud tight end, uh, Travis Kelsey, who got concussed, but ha- has been practicing all week. If he wasn't playing, I think I would have to look at this a different way because that's an obvious uh, release valve that if anything gets gets caught up from uh, behind the line of scrimmage, that Smith can go to Travis Kelsey and, and start to loosen things up that way. I still don't expect much running inside from Kansas City. They're still missing those two uh, interior linemen again this week. But uh, I do think they will find a way, whether it's outside or inside, to get yardage on the Steelers' defense and, and overcome anything, uh, any comeback that Ben Roethlisberger might have this week. Yeah, it's definitely uh, – this would be the old classic Elvis game for us, as we, as we coined mm-hmm. because of the song. Um, and we've had that term for a long time, and it's, it's earned. Yeah, we're both caught in it this time. <laughs> On to the rest of week six in the National Football League, and even more or less detail, starting with my beloved Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky. The man I said I was in love with. I can't make too much fun of the ESPN broadcasters flating Mitch Ruvisky if I wrote in my own notes that I'm in love with the guy after seven throws. So I can't, I don't have too much standing to make fun of anyone there. Anyway, the Bears travel to Baltimore to take on Joe Flacco and the Ravens. They won't have Terrence West in their backfield, but they're, the rest of their committee, Alex Collins and Buck Allen, have been doing pretty well though, so far this year. Chicago at 1-4 and four, gets six points on the road at 2-2 two and two Baltimore. Uh, I'll tell you what, the Bears are playing, they're scrappy. That's the only way I can describe that Bears team right now, and Mitch Trubisky is a huge upgrade over Mike Glennon. I will take the six. He is uh, an upgrade, but he's still a rookie. He's still only his second start. It's a hell of a defense to make your second start against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, John Harbaugh, 14-1 and at home versus rookie quarterbacks is a stat that I heard on uh, the Pro Football Focus podcast. <laughs> but what is he? Weeks. Is it 14-1 and against the spread? I believe that's just straight up. So you, ah, you can, you can I, be 15-1 and and you can still win the pick. Um, I'm actually excited if, if Trubisky shows out here at Baltimore at that defense at John Harbaugh with those statistics trending against him. I'll really be in love with the kid. Then I'm going to hedge my love for him and take Baltimore and give it the six because he's still a rookie. But uh, I'll be watching very closely on that one. Oh, those Cleveland Browns, 0 and 5, and don't seem to be getting a hell of a lot better. Houston at two and three with their stud Deshaun Watson making plays all over the place. Cleveland and now their new quarterback Kevin Hogan, they get nine and a half points on the road at the two and three Texans. Yeah, uh, well, this this could be one of those where 
I regret this later. I'm actually going to take Cleveland and the points. I don't like the fact that the Texans are missing their two best defenders, if you you know, at all. So if this turns into the Deshaun Watson show and he shoves it up my ass, and I totally deserved it. But I think that maybe Cleveland gets a little magic here. I don't want to make fun of this kid because I know absolutely nothing about him. And <laughs> I know – actually, I do want to make fun of him. Kevin Hogan's a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm taking the Browns and the points. I'm doing reverse psychology. I'm going to make fun of the guy because I'm taking him. That's definitely reverse psychology. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm sort of afraid of Kevin Hogan picking on Houston as well. Not just because of Watt and Mercil is missing, but then they also are missing guys in their secondary, Kevin Johnson and Corey Moore. Uh, And Hogan loves deep shots. There's statistics out there about that. I'm not going to go look them up, but – Uh, In his limited time playing, he likes to just go deep. He doesn't have any concerns about anything short. He he really likes to take his shots through the air. So I'm worried about that as well. I'm still going to take Houston and give the nine and a half because I don't see any reason why Deshaun Watson wouldn't ball out here. He's been balling out ever since uh, Bill O'Brien put him in. This is the Cleveland Browns. I don't see why he wouldn't continue to ball out. And and so I will take Houston uh, with the big point spread. Detroit and New Orleans, the Lions are 3-2 and two after uh, Carolina came in last week and got them. And New Orleans are 2-2 two and two coming off their bye. Listen closely to these teams that are coming off a bye because you can string a parlay together. Uh, I'll, I'll give away all those picks right now. All these teams coming off a bye. This is the, the game that's actually the closest of all the four. The, the Lions are the best opponent by far of all of these four teams that are coming off a bye this week. And I'm still... Uh, not very impressed with the Lions, especially Matthew Stafford's got an ankle injury. Um, the Lions are plus four uh, at New Orleans, by the way. I'll take the Saints uh, and uh, give the four points here. This'll be the, the key to this game will be if the you know because the Saints defense is so bad. I want to see how much room those Detroit Lions uh, receivers that can't get any separation can actually get against this uh, secondary. If they can do that, this is going to go ugly and off the rails for me really quick. But uh, I'm going to take Drew Brees, rest it up to put up uh, put up some numbers and cover that four. Oh, you're, you're hoping it doesn't go all the rails there. That's certainly, you certainly don't want to hear that sound effect. So you're definitely hoping against that. I'm going to be with you here uh, with New Orleans as well, not just because of the bye week thing. You mentioned the terrible Saints defense. They might be quietly improving already. Think about the last two games before the bye. We're laughing at them. We're saying that they're garbage. So week three, they go to Carolina. They do a pretty good job of shutting down Cam Newton. Now, we just threw that away and said, well, Cam's hurt. He's obviously doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's terrible. He's trying to hide his injury. So we completely dismissed that. They came back week four over in, in England against the Miami Dolphins. They shut out the Miami Dolphins. Whatever we think of Jay Cutler and the Dolphins, that's not easy to shut out an NFL team these days with all the rules against the defense. That's really difficult to do. I think the Saints D might have. We know they put together some free agents in the offseason. They were supposed to be better. So maybe it just took a little while. Maybe they're kind of improving. You mentioned on the last show your boy, Alvin Kamara, uh, is the reason that yeah. the Saints might have been comfortable throwing away Adrian Peterson. The third best running back 
yards per contact after a, uh, uh, yards after contact per attempt so far this year is Alvin Kamara, who has 3.67 yards after contact per rush attempt. Third best oh. of all bags in the league. So Alvin Kamara, that, that's your guy now. So, uh, but yeah, I'll, I will take New Orleans and give them four. And like I said, got to parlay those four by with Tinkles. Those other three games, ooh. Uh, here's one right back to back. The Atlanta Falcons, biggest spread of the week. The aforementioned Jay Cutler and the terrible Miami Dolphins. They're two and two, but they feel like they're zero and four somehow. Uh, Miami gets 13 points at the returning Matt Ryan and the three and one Falcons at well, not the Georgia Dome. It's the uh, the, the Mercedes, Mercedes Benz Arena or so, I don't know. Um, Something like that. That's a lot of points. I mean, I know Atlanta's coming yeah. off of the bye, and they're well-rested. I still think that offense, even though it's good, isn't quite what it was last year. And we know that their defense is it's okay. Vic Beasley may be back. He, he's sort of he's questionable. Open, he plays. That could go a long way if Atlanta's going to cover this number. I'm going to hedge my bets, though, and I'm going to take the, those points. I think that's a lot of points. It's definitely a lot of points. Uh, Miami just seems to be completely terrible to me. It's a, it's a nice rising from the dead by the Dolphins last week against uh, Tennessee. I said the Dolphins were returning home and playing their first home game, and I declared them dead, and, and that showed me. That was definitely one of my big losses last week. Uh, now they get Atlanta on the road, much more athletic defense, uh, maybe not as strong, but uh, – and, and Julio Jones is, is might be injured. We we know that he was a little banged up before the bye week, so he's gonna play. But this might this feels like another one of those Julio as decoy type games where Matt Ryan just kind of throws to everybody and gets everyone else involved. Muhammad Sanu is out as well, but like you said, Vic Beasley should return. Uh, big injury on the Miami side. Devontae Parker is probably Cutler's favorite receiver so far in his young season. He's not going to play either, so that's another big key for me. I will take Atlanta, and I will give 13 points. Jets and Patriots. It's not a highlight game, although they're both 3-2 and two and playing for first place in the AFC East. Uh, the Jets are the home team. They, they've won three in a row. They've got all the momentum. Everyone should love the Jets. New England is minus nine on the road at the Jets. I think that shows what people think of the Jets. Yeah, and you know, this feels like, this, this feels like what we had last week with Seattle going to the Rams, the, the Sun game, you know, the Big Brother game. You, know, you guys just, you, yes, <laughs> you're just not ready yet. <laughs> And uh, this feels like one of those kind of games to me, too. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Patriots to go in there, uh, throw a little weight around, put the Jets back in their place, which is not first place. And uh, I'll take the I'll take the Patriots and give all the points. New England uh, will not have cornerbacks to find Gilmore for the Jets. Matt Forte will be up at running back. Bilal Powell hasn't practiced all week, so it looks like he'll be down. So a little musical chairs at the running back position for the Jets. Uh, we get to see if New England has found a permanent fix for that defense. We saw what they did at, uh, last Thursday night uh, against the uh, Buccaneers. They just played a lot of zone, and, and Jameis Winston basically beat himself. And Jake McCrown might not do much better, but we'll, we'll see what they do coming off of having 10 days to prepare for the Jets. What it feels like to me is the opposite. It doesn't feel like the sunning game to me. 
the the Patriots have struggled so much on defense this year. This feels like the Jets Super Bowl game. This feels like the Jets are going to be so amped and so up for this one that you cannot shut them down. You cannot bury them completely. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I will absolutely take the nine points at home. I think the Jets are going to give the Patriots everything they could possibly handle in this game. And then for the next two months, they're going to completely blow. San Francisco and Washington, The speaking of blowing, the 0-5 49ers going up to Kirk Cousins and the Skins. All the rumors about uh, Will uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, and the 49ers recruit and go after Kirk Cousins in the offseason. They get to watch him up close and personal uh, as if Shanahan needs to see Kirk Cousins. Uh, in any event, the Niners are 11-point uh, underdogs at the 2-2 two two Redskins. And guess who's coming off a bye? That will be Washington. Yeah, the spreads for these teams coming off of buys against these bad teams. I'm not a big fan of these huge numbers and where they're coming from. The Redskins haven't shown me anything that they deserve to be an 11-point favorite. I'm going to roll with the big road dog again. I'm taking San Francisco and all the points. You're just going to dump cold water on my whole parlay of all these buy teams, aren't you? you just shitting all over them. <laughs> so far. I tell I you, Saints, uh, yeah, I'm, I had the Saints though. I mean, that was all over. Yeah, was that? Uh, yeah, that's, they were that's, one of the buy yeah. yeah, that's not a big favorite though. That's only four. So no. that's, you're you're talking about the big spread so far that you're. I, yeah, I did not understand where all these huge numbers are coming from. I understand that there's some bad teams, and San Francisco's a bad team, but they, they're a bad team that's shown some heart. So yeah, they they have. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, and, and I'm and I'm afraid uh, for Washington. They, that front four is really going to have to come to to play and disrupt uh, uh, Brian Hoyer because their best quarterback Josh Norman is down for this game. So Ryan Kerrigan and company they really got to come off of this by and, and come come off the ball and really get after the 49ers and, and disrupt it because we've seen the the uh, the Redskins back end when Josh Norman isn't there and it's ugly. It it, it can really get ugly. But I guess I have the faith in Washington coming off the bye, getting after Hoyer, doing what they have to do uh, to disrupt the, the 49ers' non-existent offense. And I, and I will trust Washington to, to get that win and cover that big 11-point spread. Uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about it, I'll admit it, but I'm going to stick with my guns and stick with that big parlay that I have planned. Uh, Tampa Bay and Arizona. This is uh, beginning of the late games, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so this is down in the desert. The Buccaneers visiting the Cardinals and Tampa at two and two are the favorites. They give one and a half points uh, against Adrian Peterson and the two and three Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. I, I don't like where the Cardinals arrow is pointed. And I think the Tampa still trying to sort of feel their way after that whole, you know, thing with the hurricane, kind of like with Miami, they've looked great. And then they've looked not so great. They had that game against new England that they, they probably could have and should have won, um, but didn't in that game against new England. I just, I believe I said, um, I'm going to actually take Tampa here. I don't really, I don't look at this as like an unfavorable road game for them. Uh, Arizona's defense has somehow evaporated, even though all the good players are still there. I don't get it at all. And, uh, you know, we, we know Carson Palmer's always due for one of those Carson Palmer games, and this might be it. 
Santa Claus might be coming to town. You never know when that's going to happen. I don't know about the whole Adrian Peterson thing. The jury's out on that. I don't trust it at all. So I will take Tampa here. It's funny. The one defensive guy that Arizona decided that they could let go and overcome is Calais Campbell. And he's probably the one guy that they miss uh, that they really needed to hold on to. Maybe some of these other guys that could have let go, but they could use a pass rush to offset uh, some of the, the yarders that they've been given up They're cornerbacks look totally confused not like they've ever looked before uh and, and it's really worrisome so i'm going to take tampa as well although i i feel like if you feel confident on this game e- either way if you feel that confident in james winston and carson palmer go right ahead and put your money on it i don't feel very confident if you really love either one of these teams this week you have a mental disorder because i don't know how you can love either one of them Tampa's traveling, so that's a worry, but uh, at least they have some defenders back. Uh, T.J. Ward and Levante David look like they're coming back up, and that's a big deal. I think if they were still missing all those guys, Quan Alexander's their middle linebacker. He's still not going to play. But if they were still missing all of them, I probably would go ahead and take Arizona, but they will have some help back, so I will go ahead and take the Buccaneers. The Clippers, the Chargers, uh, the other L.A. team uh, that I confused briefly earlier, uh, they are at Oakland. Like I said, there's a spread on this game, even though Derek Carr is not completely clinched and, and cinched to be back, but he's thought that he's going to make it back for this game. Uh, so the former San Diego Chargers at one and four, uh, three and a hook, three and a half point underdogs at the two and three Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I'm making this pick almost based solely on the fact that I believe that David Carr or Derek Carr <laughs> will play, not David Carr, Derek Carr. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders uh, just more on the fact that if he's able to go, I, I they need to get back on track in that division. I, I think they're going to play with some urgency. Um, I think they're going to go out there and, and stick it to the to the Chargers here. So I like Oakland big potentially. Uh, you know how much I dislike the Oakland back end. Their their cornerbacks, Gary and Conley's not going to play. David Emerson's concussed. I don't know if he's going to be out there. I think maybe the Chargers sort of got going off of that win against the Giants. They're not at home, which is probably a good thing. Cause they, they're basically playing 16 road games this year because that's not a home stadium that they're doing right now. It doesn't feel like a home game at all. And, and Oakland's offense, even with Derek Carr, hasn't really impressed this year. We got all the drops with Amari Cooper and whatnot. They're not completely the way they're supposed to right now. I'm going to take the, the Chargers in this one, actually, uh, to win the game. On Sunday Night Football, it's the Giants and the Broncos. And, oh, those 0-5 New York Giants and all their injuries. 11-and-a-half-point underdogs at the 3-1 and Denver Broncos who are coming off a bye. Yeah. I'm not falling for that again. I'm actually taking the <laughs> Broncos here. I think that the Giants could be mailing it in. Oh, oh boy, a FedEx mail it in team uh, potential. They have a FedEx mail it in team. That that team is in total distress. The whole thing with McAdoo, you know, there's so much turmoil there. It's ugly. Perfect spot for Denver coming off of the bye to just throttle these guys. I've never seen a game with so many factors against one team and in the favor of the other. We've got the wide receivers all hurt. Olivia, Olivia Vernon is not going to play. Dominic Rogers Cromartie having a meltdown. He's suspended for this game. Eli Apple had a meltdown earlier this year. Uh, Eli without 
Odell Beckham, Eli Manning. I, I want to see that because I think it's going to be pretty ugly. <laughs> Got to take the Broncos. They are awful. And we'll have more about the uh, Colts and the Titans game in which the line is off uh, on the other side on our after show. Now into the VIP after show program. It's fitting that we didn't have time to talk about the Colts and the Titans because we don't have a line for the Colts and the Titans anyways. And I'm not, I'm not sure how much we could really break that down. So uh, it's going to wind up being a pick em for our purposes. The two and three Indianapolis Colts going into Nashville on Monday night against the two and three Tennessee Titans who will either have Marcus Mariota or Matt Castle at quarterback. Jason, how do you see that one shaken down? I was thinking going contingency on this one, but then I realized that I think the Titans will be smart enough at home to feature DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, no matter who's at quarterback. This is the Colts. The Colts haven't been able to stop the run since Peyton Manning was their quarterback. So I think this is going to be the Titans, excuse me, the Titans ground and pound in a pick'em scenario. Uh, give me the Titans. Easy. Yeah, this would be the uh, Andrew Luck game. He would thrive here because this would be the Monday night scenario uh, in Nashville. This is the Titans' big spotlight game. They, they don't get a lot of uh, primetime national love. So this would be their time to be the, the little brother trying to come up and knock off the Colts, who usually are the big brother in the division with Andrew Luck. Uh, and I would have probably picked Andrew Luck to go, son? Not quite yet. You're not quite ready yet. But, of course, Andrew Luck's not there. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, Jack Brisket, uh, will once again be uh, throwing the rock for the uh, the Colts. I, I am going to actually go ahead, though, and make it a contingency because that's how terrible Matt Castle looked last week. It was the <laughs> worst <laughs> performance. That was, the whole, I, that was one of the ones oh I got on you last week. Yeah, exactly. So... I will absolutely make this a contingency on the off point spread. Uh, even if we get a spread before Monday night, we're doing the show now. We're not going to bother amending it and, and putting a spread up there. But I will still make the contingency on this pick that we're doing. If Matt Castle plays, I will take the Colts. And if Marcus Mariota starts, even though he probably won't be running very much with his hamstring, I will still go ahead and take the Titans. I'm hoping they learned from their mistake of not completely just trying to feature that running game and, and completely forgetting about Matt Castle. Just, just forget he's back there. Just just run Wildcat for the whole game. Just pull a Jacksonville Jaguar. Do the Chris Wanky. Do the Chris Wanky move. Uh, I think he threw seven passes. They won that game. They went through seven passes for the whole game. That's what the Jags are trying to do right now is the, is the Chris Winkie thing. They're trying to have him throw six times. Hide, in one yeah, hide your quarterback. That's all they're trying to do is just hide him. That's it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think they will. I think the Titans will do a lot of running and get back to uh, what they do best on offense. I don't think there's any doubt they're going to do that. Yeah, that division's still out there. I mean, you know, that AFC South, isn't. it's not over. I mean, the Texans look good. I mean, but 
losing losing Watt and Merciless, that's just oh man. You know, and Jacksonville's there. So th- there's a lot of flaws in that division, and we've talked about how the fact that just like last year that this is going to be two or you know this possibly year three year maybe this year last year it was two, but this year it might be three teams kind of taking this thing down to the wire in a bit of a dogfight. So Titans have got to get going here. They cannot afford to to go to two and four um, in this spot. Yeah, I agree. I think it's about time for Tennessee to start playing better on both sides of the ball, not just offense, but also defensively. I think it's about that time for them to to turn it around. Yeah, as we both we both had good good feelings about the Titans, especially after what they were able to accomplish last year. That's right. So we got uh, we are different on more games than I thought coming in. I thought this was. I I don't I don't I shouldn't feel good about it, but I had a lot of confidence actually in my picks this week. I actually thought I had that doesn't make a lot me of feel games. good. You know what you're doing. See, you know what you're doing this year. <laughs> I don't. No pressure on me, right? Um, yeah, I, there were only about two games where I woke up uh, this morning not decided on them. All the other ones I already knew what I wanted. So it's, I usually don't feel nearly that confident. So I, I figured it would be one of those where you would feel just about the same and we'd be different on like two games, but that's not the case at all. We definitely have a lot of games that we're different on. Uh, so I will count them real quick here. Five, six, seven of them. Wow. Wow. Seven games and potentially eight if uh, uh, if Matt Castle is under center for the Titans. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for me as I'm just – I'm. I'm not there yet. I got to get there. I need you to just so, have an absolute disaster of a week. I need to make up some ground here. Anything. I just want to have a week where I catch up a little bit. I was going to say, if you run seven games on me, you'll be back in it. You'll absolutely jump right back in. Well, I, I wouldn't mind that. Huge season lead that I have early on. And like you say, all downhill from here, it, it could absolutely all evaporate away uh, slowly but surely. That's right. So. You lose this, if you if you blow it this year, it's be an all-timer uh, the way you're, the oh, way you're going no. right now. No doubt about that. Uh, so I'm assuming somewhere in your uh, man cave there, you've got the Cubs on as well doing the show. And uh, I actually don't have them on the TV. I was watching the game up until we went to air, and then I've just been getting the updates on my phone, which of course have not been good. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of glad I haven't had to watch that. Yeah. When you got John Lackey in in the seventh, that's uh, probably bad news. Yeah, well, I mean, the Dodgers are pretty well rested coming into this series. Uh, the Cubs weren't even sure how they wanted to line up their rotation today because they had to pull out all the stops. You know, I, I figured that they were – I had a feeling, you know, with Kershaw going, even though they got to him early, that they probably wouldn't win game one, that this would be almost like – even I hate to say it, but after the, just the, the craziness of that series against the Nationals, I had a feeling going to come in particularly ready to go and fresh here, and the, the Dodgers uh, look look good tonight. Yeah, the Dodgers are the better surprised. team. Let's, let's let's not be, you know, the, there's a reason why the Cubs are on the road in this series, and they're the they're the underdog here. I mean, the Cubs, 
they're not the same team, even though most of the guys are the same. You just don't, they just don't have that same energy and, and magic like they had last year. But I, they, they got in late. They played good in the second half. I mean, they had the best record in baseball or in the National League, at least, in the second half. I mean, it was, they played better digging themselves out of that hole that they had made for themselves by the All-Star break. But they're not the perfect team kind of like the way they were playing last year. Some, something's missing, maybe because they won it all. You know, you don't know. <laughs> but I didn't have a good feeling about game one. Not saying I don't think they're going to win the series, or I don't think they have a chance, but I didn't have a really good feeling about tonight. I thought they were going to win because uh, I looked at that Dodgers lineup, which is to me has has always has been underwhelming all year. I, I know they have a great record, but I think that there's a little smoke and mirrors to it, and it's even worse looking because they can't use their guy, Corey Seager, their shortstop. They have to yeah. deactivate him for the series because he's hurt. So I'm looking at that lineup tonight, and I'm like, okay, they're Kike Hernandez and Charlie Culberson. And the, like, come on, they, the Cubs are going to lose to these guys? I, I really don't. And who who hits the two-run homer off Kershaw to put him up 2 nothing? Al Mora, of all people. You yeah. Know? So when you, you're getting – Albert Al- Almora contributing for you, and you still got, you know, Bryant and Rizzo and and all those guys on your side. I I know that the Dodgers were the better team in the regular season. I know they had the much better record. I don't think they're the better team. I, th- I don't think they're better than the Cubs. Uh, if the Cubs are playing the way they're supposed to play, I think they're better than the Dodgers and and potentially much better. And it's a little disheartening that they were able to get the 2 nothing lead off of Kershaw and couldn't put that game away, wound up uh, dribbling that lead away. But I still, I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's going to be competitive. I still would think the Cubs are going to win it because I personally think they're the better team despite not having as good a record. But this is kind of the season I thought the Cubs would have, that they would be a little slower than last year. Last year, was there's there such a meteoric rise, especially coming off of the uh, playoff loss the year before to the Mets. They they took all of that momentum and just skyrocketed all the way, uh, culminating in that three one comeback to win the World Series. I thought they'd be a little off this year, especially the first half, and, and they came back in the second half and did what they're supposed to do, and came back against the the Nationals in Game Five, and they're they're at Washington, and all the momentum is against them, and they did what they're supposed to do, and, and wound up winning that series. So uh, this is what the Cubs are. They you can. Look at them and go. Okay, they're about to fall off the the, the table. They the the glass slippers coming off Cinderella finally, and it just never seems to happen. As they they just keep finding a way, and I think ultimately they're going to find a way even in this series. Yeah, I will say that they have had that. Even going back to last year, they have that sort of uncanny ability that when you just when you think they're done, they come back. They they won a lot of games that that way last year. The Cubs, they won a lot of games that way last year, even mid-game, games they were losing uh, in the playoffs. They did it. They had that game four, I want to say, in that series against the Giants where they were losing big and chipped their way. Live on air with us. I remember watching that Mm -hmm. um, when they did the big comeback. They come back from, uh, you know, they, they, they get shut out more times last year in the postseason than I could count. 
mean, they twice, I believe, in the World Series did they get shut out. We're pretty damn oh, close yeah, to it. Yeah. yeah, and it just n- nothing going their way. They come back from that. This year they're down to the Brewers. You know, the, they get swept by the Brewers late in the season. Looks like that's going to go the other way to an end. And they just come back again. They did it against the Nationals. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that they're done. I'm just saying that I didn't have real high hopes for this one game, um, just based on sort of the attrition that they had to go through, especially with the bullpen. I mean, Wade Davis yeah. was out there throwing nothing. This one of the reasons. Two, they, and a, two and a third inning, two and two third inning two save. Two and a third, two and a third inning save. Um, and he had it, but you, you, but you want to talk about the meteoric rise and everything going your way, boy? Don't this year's Astros feel like last year's Cubs? Yeah, uh, I was actually about to say something about the Cubs should be even more energized if they can get past the Dodgers. They won't have the Indians waiting for them in the World Series if they can manage that. Well, they might have the Houston Astros, and that might be even more of a challenge. But as a baseball fan, somebody who wants to see good baseball and compelling baseball, I would love a Cubs-Astros World Series. That would be fabulous. That would be amazing. It would just be fun. You know, you would talk about the the, the, the the hot shit team from last year with all the young guys overcoming the curse and doing all that, playing basically this year's version of them. Right. And remember was, when Sports Illustrated put out the cover with Cubs and Astros World Series, I think they said 2020. It's not 2020, folks. It's 2017. And everyone <laughs> laughed at Sports Illustrated when they put that out. And no one's laughing right now. Right, because that was when they were really, uh, both of them were basically 1 and 1A one with those farm systems. That's right. And the they're Astros with their farm systems. This is how you build a winner. Yeah. But how many, you know, we, we, we marveled last year talking about that. Well, obviously, we talk, talked about the Cubs a lot. You know, there's the Chicago connection with both of us, and I'm a huge Cubs fan. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the Cubs. We might be doing this with your White Sox in a few years if their guys all start the. Oh, the, knock on the wood. Way up through the system if these guys pan out. But the Astros are doing the same things that the Cubs did when we were talking about how is it every guy who comes up is impact. Is ready to go right now. And all of these kids that are playing right now in that Houston lineup, Correa and Altuve and, and Springer, I mean <laughs> – these guys are all coming up through that system and making impacts. And it, 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 it's Guriel. Julieski Guriel. And then today they get the, the, the trade piece with Justin Verlander. Uh, if that went to the 10th, I thought he was going to try to pull a Jack Morris. <laughs> he may have. <laughs> had, that, had that game on at work today. Uh, it was the game ended uh, right about the time that we closed up shop today, and I'm at work, and I actually got the Jack Morris reference in with my coworkers there when it was in the ninth that he was at. Like I was like, this thing goes ten. Is he gonna pitch? You know, we might get the Jack Morris treatment here. Yeah, you got to be of a certain age to remember that. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, the, the the group of people I was talking to got my reference. They'd be like, "What, Jack Morris? Who? Oh boy." <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it will be uh, either way, even if, if the Dodgers find a way to make it to the World Series, uh, if they take on the Astros, that would be compelling as well. Because that, that lineup against Clayton Kershaw uh, would be must-see TV. Yeah. And well, and if they get a lead in, in that lineup has to face Kenley Jansen, as the Cubs are doing right now, that would also be something that you have to watch. That, that's the best on the best right there. Yeah, there's good matchups all around. The Yankees are the ones that are the outliers for me. I just don't want to see the Yankees in the World Series. I really don't. <laughs> you know, I you would think I'd have a little bit of a soft spot for them, considering I did pick them to make the playoffs this year. I don't we both know did. That, we both did. Oh, you did too. That's right. I forgot we had almost identical picks for everybody. Uh, That's right. Play in, the, in baseball, we had, or, I believe, or, didn't we had all of the all of the teams. The same, just in different yeah, think, um, arrangements. Right. You may have had yeah, one the, winning a division and the other winning a wild card. Yeah, but the least, the least have... interesting show we've we've probably ever done was when we just sat there and agreed <laughs> with each other for the entire show. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yep. Yeah. The only drama we came was would we yep. keep agreeing with each other? That was the drama. Indians. Yep. Right. <laughs> I know you're not going to have this I, one. Oh my god. Yeah. And I'm sitting there with my shocking wild card pick in the New York Yankees, and you're like, uh, you just you lost it at that point. <laughs> because that was my shocking wild card pick as well. So shocking that I forgot you made it. I just completely threw you out of there. I, I'm the one that had the Yankees in the black. No, we both did. Yeah, and I, and I know if I go back and pull the tape, I did have Cubs Red Sox in the World Series, but I did the whole head heart thing where I said it's the heart for me that's calling for Cubs and Red Sox, but my head keeps telling me it's the Astros, I feel pretty good about that. I know I was hedging my bet, but I wanted the storyline with Cubs and Astros, uh, Cubs and Red Sox, but I had that weird feeling about that youth movement in Houston. So I, 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 I like what I'm seeing out of them. And to win two games like that, two to one, um, tight, yeah, I mean they were put they were hanging eights on Boston, eights and tens on Boston like it was right. nothing. Um uh, and you know they win these first two games only scoring a total of four runs. That's a that's a level of maturity under pressure that you don't expect from a young team like that. Right. You sit there as if you're the Yankees and you go, What are we gonna do with this? you, you know, we Hold them to two runs, we still can't beat them because now their pitching is, is taking over on us. And you know, now what? Now we got to go to New York and hope that we can continue to hold them to two runs a game. And what's the odds of that happening? <laughs> Pretty slim. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's going to be Houston's going to have. I have a suspicion they're going to have one of these games in this series where they hang like a 14 or a 15 on the Yankees. <laughs> they can I, I score also, runs. Uh, in, an eruption coming <laughs> in bunches. They score runs in bunches. I was watching that series against Boston, and if you blinked, you missed them put up a four spot every time. Right. Like they, just they like that, bam, really... four runs. Like, oh, that looked easy. That's like what the you know that was what those Yankee teams did, those Jeter teams, and all those. You gave them an inch, and they took a mile. And I see that with this Houston offense. Yeah, they got the pieces right there in place, ready to go. Uh, it's it's incredible the way they put that team together. Like you said, very similar to what the Cubs did. 
a lot of people yep. saw all of this coming and here it is where we're watching greatness pretty much these are these are the great teams of of this particular era of going into right. you know the the late 2000 you know 2010s into 2020 these teams the cubs the astros the dodgers the yep. red sox these are the teams that are going to be there over and over again perennially and and we're watching them uh, in their prime right now this is pretty awesome yeah, I mean, we've watched this Cubs team. Even if the Cubs lose to the Dodgers or they advance and they lose, let's say, in the World Series or they win the whole thing. I mean, the Cubs have been in the National League Championship Series three years in a row. Who would have ever thought bad. you'd say that? And have a title out of it. Who would have ever thought that? Holy cow. Yeah. So these are these are good times, and that team still has you know the window isn't closing for that team. This is not a short shelf life. This does this does remind me of what Theo Epstein did in Boston. Boston didn't win the World Series every year, but they all you can do is want to contend every year, and Boston contended for quite a few years in a row. That's all you can ask for. To, they were never put together to win one in Balt in in Boston. They were put together to contend for many and that's exactly what they did and that's what the cubs are doing they're not, you know they're not just they're not a flash in the pan that's just going to win the one if you're a flash in the pan you don't go back to the lcs the next year against a lot of odds against the the way they were playing the first half of the year i, I don't think a lot of people thought that they were going to make it back this far no offensively that team is not what it was last year i mean the, the patience isn't there I mean, Bryant had, by all indicators, a down year. He went from being MVP. I think he only drove in like 75, 78 runs this year. I mean, a lot of these guys had down years, and some of that may have been the hangover. But this feels like one of those where even if they get, if they get bumped, you know, I hate, you know, I don't want to do the wait till next year thing. But if the Cubs do, let's say, lose to the Dodgers in this series and they get bumped, that's that motivation to almost retool and then come back with more fire next year. Um, and that's what we saw with Boston. Boston won that World Series. They broke the curse. They didn't win the next year. It was, a, you know, but eventually they won another one with pretty much the same group because they just kept tinkering and retooling. And, you know, all you got to do is just just be there. If you, if you have a team that can perennially be in the playoffs, I mean, we always make fun of those Braves teams. But what they did, what was it, 11 in a row? Division titles, oh, all those division titles, yeah. Nobody should be they should they they got their one right. Nobody should be ashamed of it. They got their one. I, I do see sometimes people talk about they should have had more, but they got the one. Yeah. It's, it's it's hard to get one. That's right. It's it's not easy. If the Cubs are if the Cubs win the division eleven years in a row, and all they end up with is that title in twenty sixteen, I'll still remember that as like the golden era of Cubs baseball. Yeah, I think you'll be good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I you're a Sox fan. Some... You've got something to hang your hat on. You can think back to 05 and, you know, when they won the World Series. You got one. You, you At least you got to see your team. And that was, they broke a huge curse, too. Um, it was nice to see, though, at the start of the game, as much as I hate Joe Buck, though, he actually did admit on air that the Astros lost to the White Sox in the World Series at the start of the uh, broadcast. That's the only reason. The Yankees. (laughs) 
Oh, I was That's waiting. The only reason he admitted it, they were talking about the Astros. No, I was just waiting for him to That's say the that they reason. went to the World Series and lost, and I was just waiting for they him just to just lost. not say who to. <laughs> they, they lost the World Series in 2005, but they bounced back. Yeah, just to not even acknowledge. Yeah. The <laughs> they were just going to say the, the Astros lost this. No, not at all. No, I, yeah, you I know, know, we'll, we'll be talking. We'll be talking about your White Sox, I think, a lot more in the next in the coming seasons with um, the guys. I, I tell you, uh, watching them because we own them on our fantasy team is that Yuan Mankata. He really had a nice September, really nice September. Yeah, he's got all the tools. He had a little slump after he came up, but uh, yeah, he's he's definitely uh, yeah. a big time building block. And everyone, I think, knew it when they traded Chris Sale to get him. Obviously, uh, they must have felt very highly of him to give up Chris Sale for him. So uh, whatever you say about his struggles with Boston, you, you had to know he's got tools. And if he got in the right situation, he was going to use those tools. He looks like he's in the right situation right now. So hopefully he'll, he'll keep that going in yeah. the future. And, and then this kid that they traded uh, Quintana for to the Cubs. Uh, looks like he might Eloy be the real Jimenez. deal. Yeah, yeah, he might be the real deal too, Mister Light Tower, Mister uh, Mister Field of Dreams. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be talking. You know, we're not in baseball, but we're not in you know hot stove mode or you know uh, prospect mode. We're st- we still got real live baseball with the good teams playing right now. Um, but yeah, I watched. I, watched I, l- I love playoff I, season. Playoff mode. We got NFL. This is one of the best times of the year, isn't it? Absolutely. We're we coming actually, around the got, corner to uh, to our Halloween show in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that when we highlighted the Rams and the Jaguars. That used to be a <laughs> Halloween usually show. A Halloween. <laughs> so people who don't realize that we have our Halloween show, we basically play spooky music for the whole show. <laughs> and our highlight games are the worst games of the week. It's coming. Very spooky. Two weeks. Yeah, and and uh, Halloween night is a Tuesday, which means we might actually be doing our recap show on Halloween. Ooh. Yeah. Very spooky. Yeah, but I oh. believe, though, that the Halloween show would still be the week before. Right, the Saturday night before that, the 28th. We'll make yes. all of our picks for that week. Uh, our highlight games will be the, the spookiest of the games. The Cleveland Browns are perennial appearance in our spooky <laughs> picks. <laughs> well, so were the Jags and the Rams. That's right. But they, they have apparently have, have turned actually, things around. They got highlight games this year that weren't jokes. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're actually we looking the, at them as real teams, we as contenders. We did we highlight Rams Seahawks the week before? Oh, we, well, I can actually look and check that. I didn't think we did. No, we we did not but highlight a, that. Okay, but boy, so we were we were boy, interested we in it. We were. I mean, it was it was definitely more compelling than some of the other stuff. Oof. So just to move up to mediocre from where they have been, that's the that's a win. Boy, howdy. 
All right. Do you have anything else for this evening? No, man. I tell you, I am beat. I I mean, absolutely beat. Notwithstanding my drink. I was beat before. <laughs> I needed that drink to, to get me out of feeling so beat. It has been, I don't know what it is. There's blueberry something going on. Blueberry sake. This is blue, Bonsai Bunny Blueberry Sake. I recommend everybody who's got $100 buy a case of this stuff. <laughs> I had to drive to Chicago to pick it up. I ordered it and picked it up at the Benny's Beverage Depot in Arlington Heights. Uh, happens though that I didn't just drive there for that. It was, this is when we drove down to Chicago for a wedding. Oh, um, I was about to ask you if you did you if you made that trip just for that, no. but you wouldn't make that trip just for Giordano's because I would make a trip from Wisconsin to Chicago just for Giordano's. Well, no. What I do is when I come down to Chicago for uh, the baseball stuff, the two times a year I go down there for the trade deadline uh, draft uh, draft party. And for the greatest day in sports, when we have our draft, um, I will hit the Giordano. Usually I stay out in the suburbs and there's a Giordano's right there. I actually go into the Giordano's and raid the freezer at the Giordano's. <laughs> so no Give joke right all now. all your pizza. I, I've got all my coworkers doing this. They're all throwing money at me to bring them back the pizzas because it's better than any of the pizza you can get around here. Um, of course. Yeah, so I got people buying them like two, three at a time when I go down there. I think this last time I went down there, I ended up buying 12 pizzas wow. or 10, 10 pizzas, frozen ones. I got six of them sitting in my freezer right now. And my wife and I will oh, just pull man. them out for those special occasions. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they, they put them in freezer bags. So you were just up there. I would recommend next time you make the trek up to Chicago if you're driving. Well, um, we, we did that. Take yourself a cooler, throw some pizzas in there. We we a couple we not the last time we went to Chicago, but maybe a couple of years ago we we did that. We bought the frozen pizzas and we and we put them in a little freezer bag. Yeah. And we're it's a ten hour drive, and we're going to to we're going to the southern part of the country. So unfortunately, yeah. those pizzas weren't as fresh after we got them out of the freezer bag as they could have been. Yeah, uh, so yes, I can see your point. Here, my drive is considerably shorter. My drive from the, the suburbs of Chicago uh, to where I live is about four, a little over four hours. And um, you're going north, so you're not going in a warmer climate. Oh, yeah, <laughs> generally not. <laughs> not most of the time. Every once in a while, it is warmer here than it is in Chicago, especially. If they're having one of those cooler by the lake kind of days where the wind's blowing off Lake Michigan really hard. Um, but most of the time, it's about, on average, about five to 10 degrees cooler here than whatever it is in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so. on average, it's about 10, 10 to 15 degrees cooler in Chicago than it is down here. Yeah. I mean, um, we're in the 40s yeah. right now. Uh, right now we've right. got some like we've got this nasty cold rain going on right now we barely made it into the probably mid 50s here today we're, we're only supposed to uh, get into the upper 40s tomorrow and it's supposed to just rain all day one of those real dreary kind of fall days and i think that's what's i think that's what's gotten people going i know my sinuses and my allergies have just been wrecking me uh, uh, they're coming for me soon then yeah, and um, I've got this you know, real bad history of getting the flu or getting sick in October, and I've been trying to avoid it. So right now I will just I'll I'll handle just 
some sinus stuff. If this is the worst I get, this is a victory. Yeah, if we're giving out unsolicited uh, advertisements on the show, I'll oh, yeah. in yours and I'll just talk about how awesome Giordano's is, the stuffed pizza, oh. and my oh, my man. uncle had it waiting for me uh, this time as we arrived to Chicago, maybe uh, an hour or two after we got to his house. He uh, he and his one of his sons walked in the house with arms full of Giordano's and I tore that bad boy up all weekend long. I couldn't get enough. <laughs> I oh, joked uh, about taking it back home with me before I got there, and it was so good it never made it past the weekend. I didn't have to take any home back home with me because it was all gone. Uh, right. So that's always that's a must when I go to Chicago is, is my my stuffed G or Donald's pizza. So we, we need to call back to last week's show or the, the show the, before that one, before you went uh, up to Chicago for your trip, because I did notice on, on your Facebook feed that you did go to the restaurant I recommended you go to. Um, more unsolicited advertising. Huckleberries. More unsolicited advertising. <laughs> Huckleberries in, in Mounds. In Mounds, Illinois, not next to Almond Joy. That is not uh, right. that's not the case. For people who don't know uh, where Mounds, Illinois is, which is all of you, um, yeah, it's down in the little cow utter part of Illinois, down there by uh, Cairo, Illinois, way down in the southern part of the state. So it's the part that floods all the time. You called it the nipple part of Illinois before. I'd never heard that. I never. Uh, looked at the state of Illinois and realized that down there in the south, the southern tip of it does yeah. kind of look like a, a nipple. Yeah, but, uh, it does. It looks I like a little cow udder down there. Yeah, it looks like some nipples and some cow udder, you know, where the, the, <laughs> that's where the Ohio River and the Mississippi River are all kind of bending through there. So so what was your experience like? At, at a very the pleasant uh, experience. They, the service was excellent. The guy was very friendly that, that served us. The food was very good. Um, I think what your wife was trying to recommend to me was the specifically the catfish bites and the uh oh, and the, the cat, nachos the catfish, well the catfish bites and the nachos are what we had when we went there right and i wish i i mean the the nachos were amazing but i could have just doubled down on the catfish bites i forgot to order the nachos or, or i didn't see her uh post back to me before i ordered so i wound up ordering the half chicken and just smothered that in barbecue sauce and that was very good i ordered it with the side of the catfish bites i'm with you i don't know what the fuck they do to those things whatever seasoning they use oh my god i couldn't stop eating them they were so good oh yeah i mean and you're in catfish country i mean it's almost impossible to get bad catfish in the south I mean, that is that's what you eat you when i go to the south and i want fish i don't order trout or salmon, you order a catfish. <laughs> and we stopped at this place on the way home, and it was, you know, it's like I said, we wanted breakfast, and we were slightly annoyed that they didn't have breakfast. And I was like, wow, catfish bites for breakfast? Because we had no breakfast that morning. And after two bites or a bite of those, I was like, oh, okay. I thought, catfish <laughs> okay. for breakfast is all right by me. <laughs> yeah. So it was, no, and, I don't uh, know and then the other. What they do to them. Oh. No, they were amazing. Every time, I mean, I would go out of my way next time I go down south to to to, to swing over there to get some of those because those were awesome. Uh, the other thing I got a, a, a slight a kick out of was your wife's love of Culver's. Um, 
because Culver's, I don't, this must not be a Memphis thing. Culver's is all over here. I mean, we got two of them here in town. Yeah. Um, it's everywhere in the north. Wisconsin's like Culver's country. It's home of the Butterburger. And then they kind of crept into Chicago and they've sort of franchised out. But I remember when Culver's was like a Wisconsin thing only. You had to go up north from Chicago. And then all of a sudden, that was sort of the local fast food joint. It was this big deal to go to Culver's. And that's just funny that I saw that your, uh, your, your, your post about your wife loving Culver's. I was like, well, it's just you know, up here. It's just, it's just Culver's. It's just, it's a place. Yeah. No, it's, and it's not something that I've ever been to because they have not been in Chicago forever. They were there by the time no, I moved they've only, six years ago. They've only, yeah, they've only moved into Chicago and I've, I've seen them creeping up a lot more um, over the last few years. Every time I kind of go down there, there's more like seeing the, like seeing a Chick-fil-A in Schaumburg just blew me away. Cause that yeah. was never a Chicago thing or now that now, now seeing Giordano's in Wisconsin. How about that? That's very smart by Giordano's. Giordano's is in, uh, they're, they're moving up the lakeshore. They're, they're in um, Milwaukee and, you know, Racine and doing that whole thing. And yeah, so, so Giordano's, I think they're moving into Madison. I think I heard a rumor, which would put them only two and a half hours away from me, which then that becomes, that becomes oh. feasible. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Madison's two to two and a half hours from here, depending on how fast you drive. And my wife, when she's hungry, she drives. (laughs) My wife has a thing I call driving hungry. She'll get us there quick. (laughs) Yeah, my my wife. wife, wife, Yeah, yeah. My wife hits the gas a little hard. I'll always be like, "You you hungry?" (laughs) I'll be joking. We have. Yeah, she's, uh, I, I couldn't really, yeah, I couldn't really uh, give her any information about the Culver's. I'd never been in one before, so I think she expected me to clue her completely in, and I was like, I, I don't really know. I, I just know from the commercials, it looked a lot like a steak and shake, and that's pretty much what it was. So it's, it's better it's okay. than steak and shake. I, you know. I will say it's better than steak and shake. Steak and shake and me don't get along too good. Um, oh. I've had some, you know, and Hooters. Hooters, Hooters in Springfield, Illinois, I, and me don't get along too good either. Um, no, I don't like Hooters but, at all. Yeah, well, I always liked their burger. It wasn't that you know, it wasn't the stereotypical. I'm going there because of the waitresses. I mean, that's that's it's a thing. I mean, that, I admit that, but I actually liked their food. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, I read Playboy for the articles. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not trying to be. Not trying to be ironic or anything like that. No, I mean I actually enjoyed their burgers and uh, the last uh, one of the last times I had uh, Hooters was in Springfield, Illinois. It didn't go well, so that's all I'll say. Uh-huh. Although I do, ha- I do remember being at Mall of America with uh, my wife and Trini when she was a baby, and I actually uh, have a picture of Trinity with the Hooter girls, which is one of the <laughs> still one of my favorite pictures of Trini. Cause she's just like a baby. I, she's six, eight, six, seven months old, totally hamming it up for the camera with these two Hooter girls. Hey, she knew she's in the place to ham yeah. it up. This is where they want to yeah. see the girls. Here I am. I almost, almost, uh, was able to, to, to get the wife convinced, uh, to, to let Trini come on the show tonight. I said, we got up the cute factor, but it wasn't oh. meant to be. With her in school now, she's got more regular bedtimes now. But I, one of these weeks, 
I'll get both my kids to stay up till uh, till nine o'clock, <laughs> so we can uh, so we can get them on the show. That's yeah, great. I'd be looking forward to yeah. it because my, my son needs to make his first appearance on the In Much Less Detail podcast. Yeah, you keep telling me how, how talkative he is. I haven't really heard him ever, so I definitely will look forward to that. Yeah. So. Yeah, so 20 minutes ago, you asked me if we were all done. <laughs> Kings of non sequitur. This is what we do. Um, I had something else I was going to talk about food-wise in Chicago. I'm trying to remember. Oh, the um, we so after our little bus tour Saturday night, me and uh, some friends that I hadn't seen in a while. Dave, the movie expert, was actually one of the friends. So I was very I happy to see him. Somewhere. I saw you checked in somewhere with Dave, the movie expert. It was this like haunted bus tour. It wasn't like a Halloween haunted, but it was like going to sort of some of the darker places of Chicago. Like we went to the site of the St. Valentine's Day massacre. We went to where the uh-huh. Chicago fire purportedly started. Uh, so uh, the whole house, which is supposedly haunted, a uh, bunch of places yep. like that uh, on a on a rainy, weird Chicago Saturday night. So it was all kind of creeping. It all fit in. It was sort of a perfect vibe. So it was it was. You know, for three hours, uh, they they gave you your money's worth, and the tour guide was the, the guy was really really into the paranormal, and his ex wife, I guess, uh, is like a ghost hunter or something, you know, something along those lines. He's really heavy into it. Dave's heavy into that stuff too, so they enjoyed themselves uh, immensely on that thing. I was kind of like, okay, I don't really know about some of this stuff, but. Uh, and then the restaurant we chose after that was, I, it was so funny. Um, Dave is going through his phone, just throwing out a bunch of random choices on where to go. So we're all in my, in, in my car. Uh, cause they came down on the bus. The three friends that I met, Dave and Hugo and Liz all came down on public transportation. And then afterwards they were all going to pile into my car with my wife and me. And I was going to drive to wherever we decide to go. Uh, but we didn't know where to go. We were sitting there trying to figure out where we want to go. Dave had his uh, phone out and, you know, probably Google Maps or something like that uh, and filtered it through what's open right now, which is 10 o'clock Saturday night at that point. So that's going to narrow it down, of course. But still, just it's Chicago. There's so many different choices. There's so many places to eat. And I got I got a little annoyed slash frustrated because we're going to stand there in the street literally for an hour trying to decide where to eat and, and Liz and Hugo already were giving me the, the sort of body signals like they didn't care they just wanted to go and I opened my phone up and, the, and like I went to the section on Google Maps I think it's called where the locals eat because by my experience that's like the better restaurants that people there's not going to be a ton of people there because it's sort of on the low low more so than you know it's certainly not going to be like uh, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's. It's not going to be something where there's a lot of people there and it's really uh, popular or anything like that. And the first decent picture of food on that page was for a place, I'm going to forget the name of it because, it's, again, it's late. It was something Tiger. Um, God, I'm not going to read one. You know, my, my, my phone's right here. I probably should. I, I could look at it. Uh, but some sort of something with a tiger in it. And uh, I said, you know what? Look at those fries. Dave, look at this picture. Look at the fries. Don't they look good? Let's go there. Okay, let's go there. We wound up going to the place uh, called the Something Tiger. 
Um, and it was pretty good. And what what happened was it was uh, I'm gonna put in Tiger Chicago and see if that does anything. No, Fat Tiger, no. Um, Fat Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> That was a that's one of the first things that comes up under Tiger Chicago is some place called Fat Tiger Chicago. So I I, I don't I almost don't want to know what that could possibly be. Um, but anyway, uh, it was the food was really good. The only problem was the place was oh Kaiser Tiger. That's it. Uh, it was called Kaiser Tiger. It's over on uh, Kinsey Street. It was actually really oh I'm sorry Randolph Street. That's some other place I was looking at. Uh, 1415 West Randolph. Uh, it was really close to our our high school. We we I drove past uh, not past our high school, but past the street that you would turn down, past Jackson uh, to go to oh, our sure. high school, like a block. So it was like right there. Uh, the only problem with the place, it was like I said, 10 o'clock, 10:30. By the time I got there on Saturday night, there was a Blackhawks game that night. It just ended. It just let out. We're right there near United Center, uh, where the Bulls and the Blackhawks play, and basically it was a, it's a it's a very loud hangout for Hawks fans after a Hawks game, and that's not a bad thing. It was it's just it made it a little louder, a little more crowded than I was anticipating. I'm guessing if there wasn't a Hawks game that night, it probably would have been not empty, but probably would have been really like half empty or really uh, you know not loud, not unpleasant at all. But because it was Hawks fans in there right after a game. It was kind of loud. It was kind of hard to have a conversation. It's kind of hard to hear. Um, but besides that, we, we got over that. We still had a lot of fun, a lot of good conversation, a lot of good time. So Kaiser Tiger recommended. I don't think in my life I had ever had poutine before. Have you ever had poutine? Poutine is like Canadian Not cheese poutine. fries, basically. Yes. Uh, cheese, cheese fries, cheese curds, and gravy. That's poutine. Yeah, that's poutine. And no, I have heard. I'd always you watch the Food Network. You always hear about poutine. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd always been interested in trying it. I don't think I'd ever had a, an opportunity to try it. So that's all I ordered at Kaiser Tiger was, was the poutine fries, and they were good. It, it was, yeah, uh, it does I, sound I, totally dirty. It's a it's a different mix of flavors. I don't usually have cheese curds with gravy uh, for any reason, uh, but uh, but it worked. <laughs> Let's get, yeah, it's good Come on, <laughs> I'm lying. I, I sit there with bowls of gravy and cheese curds all the time. You're right. No, I remember uh, when we brought cheese curds to your wedding, and my wife, being a Southern girl, had no idea what they were. The, the, the the crowd in general, like everybody was there. Like, yeah. what, what are these? The looks that we got. <laughs> right. like, what 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 is this? What do these crazy white people bring them? <laughs> from Wisconsin here. Uh, cheese curds. It's, it's a northern thing. It's it, it's it's something yeah, it's up north. Wisconsin Don't worry thing. about it. It's really yeah. a Wisconsin. That big time Wisconsin thing. Yeah, really curds are like all over the place. I remember when I lived out west, you couldn't get cheese curd anywhere. A regular I one, a fried one, anywhere else. Yeah, I don't know anywhere else where where you can get them except for up north. Culver's has them, right? And I consider that up north in in Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah, but they're they're, they're spreading a little bit. So I considered Chicago up north. Oh, 
even though that's right. I consider Chicago. Yeah, when I I talk about Chicago now, it's down there in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're giving out all the the free plugs tonight, all the recommendations, and uh, you know, well earned huckleberries, all the god those catfish bites. Outside of Giordano's Pizza, that might have been the the best thing I had in my entire weekend in Chicago was those catfish bites, and that includes the the meal at Lambert's that we had on the way to Chicago, which was also very good. And I was and I did make sure I linked you the article. About the uh, the lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, I read. This. Yeah, I read it. The, the I wasn't joking. People would think I was joking on that show. I was not <laughs> joking about the lawsuit about the person with the detached retina because they got hit in the roll, but in the face by a bread roll. I yeah. I don't even. I don't know how that even made it to to court or yeah. if it's made it to court or not. But <laughs> you, could you imagine how hard that, you would have to throw a dinner roll? To detach somebody's <laughs> retina, you would Steven have to up. In there. No, <laughs> right. I mean, ninety-seven and moving it would be uh, what you'd have to be throwing. <laughs> Here's your server. A roll this. He'll be serving you your. He'll be serving you your rolls. Your throat rolls tonight. <laughs> oh, hello, roll this. Go ahead, throw it at me. Let's go. All right, here we go. Ah! Oh God. All right. Whoo. Yeah. Can't top that. We're, we're going to no. call it a night. So Tuesday, Tuesday at 9 o'clock for our, our recap is good? Yeah, allegedly, yeah. I, we always seem to end up on Wednesday, <laughs> but we'll schedule it for Tuesday. <laughs> Not always. Only a couple of times. Believe me, if it was always, yeah. I'd be completing more because that's after my bowling, so I'm usually pretty wiped out myself. Yeah, Tuesday, but, Tuesdays, I'm, I'm off on Tuesday, so Tuesday should work. All right, Tuesday, 9 o'clock Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, to recap this week six, which is going to be very, very compelling because we're different on seven games, and I thought we were going to be alike on a lot of them. So batting down the hatches, I think this is going to be a a fun ride tomorrow myself. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Tell your friends about us, whether we're good or bad, to, to Watch, listen to us or laugh at us, whichever way you want to go. And join us once again Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central, to recap what might be an interesting week six in the National Football League. We will talk to you then. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.